I didn't realize Bishop could sing so good. Amen. It's something about when we sing, but it's something about when a pastor starts singing. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, it's a blessing, isn't it? Hallelujah. You guys look beautiful tonight and wonderful. And just, aren't you glad you came tonight? Well, everybody didn't say amen or yeah, you're going to be glad here in about 35, 40 minutes. You're going to be glad. Amen. I hope so. I hope more people say it at the end than the beginning. But uh, what a joy it is. I believe the Lord has given a word uh, for us tonight. Uh, in fact, I'm sure of it because getting up to this point for the last 48 hours has been crazy. And so uh, it's always hard preaching after such an awesome preacher in Bishop Matthews and you get a little nerve-wracking. And then one of my good friends, uh, Apostle Millfield, was here. So I got to preach. He could wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and preach you a sermon you'd remember for five years. And so then I got to show up, amen, after he preached and after he preached. So I, 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 I don't know. Either y'all going to be really ready or y'all going to be judging me really hard. Amen. There's going to be a high standard. So we're going to get into the word. And, uh, you know, we just had a, uh, I don't know if you've ever been through water leaks and gas leaks and all that. But I left my front yard with an 85-foot trench and a 14-foot hole and water line busted, broke through a gas line. Everybody, every Yahoo in the county showed up with lights flashing. And uh, there was an unmarked gas line going across our property. And I'm excavating and rip it and the and uh, so it, it's, uh, we just left that mess because God has another assignment. Amen. And so uh, I believe that what God will release tonight is going to be a great blessing, a tremendous blessing. And I don't believe it's by accident or just to come and visit a friend. That's a good part of it. I'm not even going to talk about that book right now. But the main part is God has a word for this house, for those of you in this room, and some of you will take this word to those who were unable to be here, and even if someone chose not to be here, they still should be given the ability to hear a word that God will have. So even if you know somebody that made the decision, I'm not going and you get a sense this word needs to get in their spirit, then you get it to them. Can you say amen? amen. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Joel, chapter number 2. It's all coming back is the word God put in my spirit. Can everybody shout, it's all coming back? Come on, shout it again. It's all coming back. Now, I don't know if you're like me, and maybe you have been through a season in your life where you felt like, I am tired of losing everything. Has anybody ever lost anything? I'm not talking about your keys. I'm not talking about your batteries or your remote control or your watch. But I'm talking about, have you ever walked in a season of life where you couldn't find your joy, even if a comedian was standing right in front of you, where you couldn't find your passion if you were around the most passionate people in the world where you maybe you've been through a season where you couldn't find your healing you know it was nailed to the cross you know it was given to you you know the blood was shed but you're like God where's my healing where is the healing of my Lord I can't find it anywhere have you ever been through a season where you had friends and then one day you didn't have friends and you're like God I only have 
have you? Where has everybody gone? Where did this one go? Has anybody been through a season where you lost something? Would you raise your hand and shout amen? And I want you to know tonight that for a couple weeks I've been studying in the book of Joel and tonight the Lord wants you to know here at Hurricane, at One Life, at Nitro that it's all coming back. That this is not just a word from yesterday but this is a word for what's coming into your future. This is a word for your new season that the Lord says it's coming back. The Lord says I have watched and I have seen and the Lord says it is enough. Everything it's coming back. Touch your neighbor and tell him it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Joel chapter 2 and verse 25. The Lord gives definitive words. He's not wishy-washy. He's not like you and I. I'll try to be there for you. I'll come and visit you if I'm able. I'll be at your service if I'm not too tired. When the Lord begins to speak, he uses phrases like, it shall be, and I will, and it is. He doesn't say maybe so and maybe no. He lets his yea be yea and his nay be nay. And so when Joel is talking tonight, remember this. God was, God is, and God is to come. So when he said it to Joel, he was, but now he's saying it to me because he is. He'll be saying it tomorrow because he is to come. So don't tell me this is an Old Testament word that was only for Joel because God was, but God is. So he said it, therefore he is still saying it. And so I have evidence that this word is for one life tonight. God said, I will restore to you the years. Come on. When you've been in desolation for years, you got a backbone. I'm not talking about you had a bad month or you had a bad hair day or you had a a bad day at work. When you have been in desolation for years, he said, I will restore to you the years. Everybody say, I will. So everybody say, that's a promise. So God says, I will restore to you the years. I'm not talking about a hard month. I'm not talking about your microwave blew up and you had to fix your dryer, things we call tribulation in the modern world. But I'm talking about you've been walking in the valley, the shadow of hell itself, and it seems like a year wasn't long enough, a year and a half wasn't long enough, two years wasn't long enough. You're doing what you know to do, but it seems like everything around you is going wrong. Joel and Israel were in the same position, and God intervened and said, I will will, I will, I will, I will restore. He will, the Lord has come to restore, to recover, to reconcile, and to redeem everything in your life. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, that the crawling locust, that the consuming locust, and that the chewing locust may great army, my great army which I sent among you. So God said no matter how the enemy has come, how he has swarmed in on you, how he has gnawed at you, how he has crawled up on you, no matter what angle the enemy has come against you, no matter how many years he has come against you, 
against you. No matter how much of your health he has taken or how much of your passion he has taken or how much of your joy he has taken or how many of your friends are gone out of your life, God said, I will restore it all. He says, in the midst of this desolation, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Come on. I like to eat and get full. Can somebody shout amen? You shall eat in plenty and you will be satisfied. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously among you. And my people, my people shall never. Here is God again definitively and decisively making a decree and a proclamation to a hurting, confused people that have been in a season where the enemy has almost destroyed them. And God said, I shall never be put, I will never let my people be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is nobody else and my people shall never be allowed to be put to shame. So you might think you're on the brink of giving up. You might think you're on the brink of giving in and it might look like that everybody else was right and you were wrong because everybody else pushed away. But God said I'm going to intervene between you and your adversary and I will never allow you to be put to shame. You might be persecuted. You might be perplexed. You might be pushed aside, but I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I shall restore it all. Touch your neighbor and say, it's all coming back. Come on, tell them it's coming back in your life. It's coming back in my life. And it's coming back in the church. Everything that the enemy has stole, I tell you, I used to hate it when the enemy attacked, and I still do, but now I'm looking at it through prophetic eyes saying, the enemy's only coming to steal from a house where there's treasure. He's not coming to an empty house. He's not coming to a dead house. He only wants to, a thief only wants to steal valuable stuff. So if he's messing with your church, it's a valuable church. If he's messing with your pastor, it's a valuable church. If he's messing with your husband or wife, it's because it's a valuable relationship. The enemy, the thief, only comes to take valuable things. Come on, somebody shout amen. So the fact the enemy's been messing with you individually or been messing with your church corporately is because it's valuable. It's because it's successful. It's because your latter days will be greater than your former days. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give you life. And as I was driving up the road and... Wasn't talking as much as I normally do. The Lord was just stirring, and it was a rainy, cloudy drive from Beckley all the way through the gorge through Charleston. It rained, and it was cloudy, and we were going 35 and 50 on the interstate, and it took an extra 40 minutes to get here. But as we came around the corner from Charleston, long around Nitro, all of a sudden the sun came out, and the blue sky was there. And I took that as a prophetic sign from what God was saying is that the gloomy days, that the cloudy days, the days of low vision and an overcast sky in your life and in your church life, God said they're over. I'm restoring it. I'm redeeming it. I'm reconciling it. I'm recovering it, saith the Lord. God said, I'll never let you be put to shame. 
Some of us think we've been through hell in a hard time, but a matter of fact, we might have been low, but God said, I'll never let you be put to shame. So the lowest you've been, you've never been put to shame because at the moment it looks like your life is over or your ministry is over or your family is over, God will stoop in and say, "Ha uh-uh, I can't let you go. My love endures forever. My mercy is everlasting. My grace is sufficient. And if you are humiliated and you are shamed, then I am shamed and I can't let you be put to shame. And God said, I'm going to restore your health. I'm going to restore your joy. I'm going to restore your ministry. I'm going to restore your passion. Everything that the enemy has taken, God is bringing back. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Let's go to the book of Job, if you will, chapter number 42. I'm excited. Hallelujah. I was talking to my beautiful wife, Lisa, is here, and I said, man, pray for me because I'm not ready at all. I got a couple pages of stuff, but with this yard thing and with other, I haven't had a minute. And she said, that's probably because God has done that on purpose to keep you out of the middle of what he wants to get to these people. Because if you know it and it's in you, what's in you, God can bring out. But sometimes you try to refine it too much. And sometimes I try to put too much of me on what God wants to do. So literally, I walked in. I didn't even have a minute to go over anything. I'm just, I, I was like, baby, you need to pray for me because I don't know. Other than what I've been looking at for the last two weeks. But right in here and having it organized for tonight, huh? But the Holy Ghost knows. But the Holy Ghost knows. Oh, hallelujah. I can't wait to come back in three months or six months or a year. I can't wait for every negative word that has been said over your individual life or your church life. The Lord says to be judged and condemned. I can't wait for the end of the enemy to see the same so that it's never going to work. Only six months later to see a double or triple to see souls being saved and the baptismal fall. I can't wait. Because when God begins to restore something, oh, we're going to learn in a minute the latter glory is greater than the former glory. Mm, Can somebody shout amen? Mm, 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 mm. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Job, chapter 42, verse 12. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning days. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. So how many male and children donkey? He also had seven sons and three daughters. But the key thing here is what we know. The latter rain will be greater than the former rain. And I'm here to tell you that Job went through a whole lot more hell than everybody in this room combined. His wife was telling him to give up, not because she didn't like God, but she saw her husband suffering. She saw her husband at the point of death and she was just like go ahead and die I can't look at you like this anymore either you got to get up and move forward or you got to die but you can't stay on this bed of affliction you can't keep complaining and whining and murmuring I need my man to get up and move forward or I need my man to die and God to give me another one she didn't mean it in a bad way she just couldn't see her man in the state of indecisiveness 
And Job had been in this situation. Then his friends came in, and his friends told him to give up. His friends told him his God was no good. Everybody was telling him God did this, and he had the faith to say, you see, there's no revelation of heaven yet. So everything was attributed to God, weather and everything. There was no revelation of hell or the eternity in heaven yet. There was no Jesus, no dividing line. And so everything, and he said, even if God is doing this, which he wasn't, but he said, even if God was killing me, I won't curse him. I'll only bless him. All for a man that can be stripped of everything. All for a woman that can lose it all and say, I don't know exactly. And even if it was God doing it, I'm not going to curse him. I'm not going to give up on him. I know God will restore it. And I know my latter days are going to be greater than my former day. I want you to know in one life, your next season is going to be much greater than your previous season. The greater your loss, the greater your restoration. It's one thing to give a testimony that I used to have headaches and now I'm healed. It's another thing to say I had stage four cancer. They said I died and now I'm alive. The greater the thief that comes, the greater the restoration that is ahead. So you got to understand that whatever the enemy has stolen, God is going to restore it. As we drove around Charleston and came around the corner and the heavy rain and the dark cloud, I looked in my mirror and I said, look how dark it is back there. And the sky was Carolina blue and the sun was shining. And it was like a, a, a word or a vision God gave to go along with the message that the cloud and the mist and the rain and the lack of vision and the closed-in feeling, the claustrophobic feeling of what's going on in my life and only looking at what's going on here, God's saying that's over that season is done the clouds are gone the mist is gone the covering is gone it's a season of restoration redemption reconciliation and recovery Oh, hallelujah. I envy you guys. You better bring empty bags to every church service, spiritually speaking, Pella cases or burlap sack. Somebody say, why are you bringing an empty bag? Because I come here to take back everything the devil stole. Symbolically, you can say, he stole my TV. I'm going to get a TV back. Not really, but giving you a natural illustration. He stole my children. I'm getting my children back. He tried to destroy my marriage. I'm getting my marriage. God, dare everybody to bring an empty sack on Sunday morning and wait. David, during praise and worship, people that weren't here will say, what are you doing? Tell them, I got an empty bag because I'm recovering everything. My healing's in it. My joy is in it. My prayer life's in it. I'm filling it up and I'm going home full. Somebody need to text everybody and say, bring a pillowcase on Sunday morning. I, I've never said this in my life. My wife will tell you, 25 years of permanent preaching, I've never said bring a pillowcase to church. But I dare everybody in here to bring yourself an empty pillowcase. Text everybody and tell them, bring a pillowcase. It's a prophetic utterance that something is going to break on Sunday morning and everything the enemy has stole spiritually and symbolically is yours again in greater, in greater, in greater, in greater measure. The latter days of Job were greater than the former. Now, if you read about Job, it's the oldest book in the Bible. The Bible's chronological on that, but Job is the oldest book theologians can date. And you'll see stuff in there that kind of, you like, see dinosaurs, leviathans, and all this kind of stuff. 
he was great. When you read what he had, and for his latter days to be greater than them days, come on somebody. It would almost be worth going through all that hell to get to there. When you get through it a few years, you say, yeah. When you're going through it, you say, no. Come on, somebody say amen. You know you've had a homeowner's insurance, something happened to your house. It was old and raggedy, and oh, I lost my roof. But then when they got that new roof back, you're like, oh, I'm kind of glad the wind came. We had a windstorm, and I got a new roof, and it was all messy at first. I'm like, hey, I got a new roof. They didn't put an old roof on there. See, when they come, they put the new and the better on there. Come on, somebody say amen. And so when God comes, why do you think he's going to restore what was old? He's going to restore it, but the latter will be greater than the former. He's going to give you the new updated version. Why? Because that's what he set for our future. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem, and a new you. So if God's going to give us all that new then, glory be to God. When he restores something, it's the same, but it's better. Glory be to God. He don't patch it together with duct tape and zip ties. Some of y'all got drawers put together with duct tape. Go on down to Lowe's and get your wife a new facing on that drawer and fix it like God would fix it. Come on, somebody. Isaiah 54, if you will. I'm about done sweat through this shirt. Hallelujah. Mm. Isaiah 54, too. Enlarge the place of your tent. Isn't it interesting that God talks about growth in the midst of loss? That God talks to us about vision and future in the moments when we can't even stand our present and all we're doing is rehearsing the hurt and the scars of the past and yet God is saying you need to look up and look beyond it and all we want to do is look in and look back and God will come in and talk about bigger things when we feel like the little thing we're doing is insignificant. God will come in and say do more. Why? Because when it's done at that time, nobody can say they did it. It can only be said that God did it. Look, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains for your dwellings. Do not spare. See, this is where we get in trouble. Well, we're going to just try a little bit and see if it's God or not. Right? Well, we don't want to push it too far. Because if it ain't God, we'll look like fools. He said, stretch it out all the way. And then when there's a little left, don't spare. Take it all the way as wide as that tent, as big as that vision can go. Stretch it all the way and do not spare. See, the trouble with us, we'll stretch it a little bit. And look what we did. Look what God did. And God is like, what in the world? I told you to double that vision or triple it. And all you did was like the disciples and let out one net when Jesus said, let down all your nets. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Thank you, sir. Holy Ghost spoke to you good there. Thank you. Ah. Do not spare Strengthen your stakes. That's your foundation, your corners, your leadership, your prayer warriors. And even beyond leadership and prayer warriors, what I've learned is you've got to strengthen your key members. 
Because you don't have to have a position to be key in the kingdom. And a lot of times key members pull more weight than half-dedicated leaders. Come on. Leaders looking to serve here to get somewhere else. You give me a couple faithful people sitting on the third, fourth, or tenth row. Oh, I move heaven and hell with them. Come on, somebody. Give me a stepping stone person. You can't do nothing with them. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you the truth. He said this. Strengthen. Strengthen it. Expand to the right and the left. And your descendants will inherit all of it and make desolate the cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Third time tonight we've heard that God will not allow you to fail. He will not allow you to be put to shame. He will not allow you to be destroyed. He said, do not fear. You will not be put to shame. I will not allow you to be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Now, I had to argue with God a little bit on that because I feel like a little bit that sometimes we're been put to shame, that sometimes we've been disgraced, but that must just be in my eyes because God said I'll never let it happen. If he said he'll never let it happen, then it has never happened. So, so many times we go halfway and we don't go all the way. I want you to know God's saying to one life, <laughs> it's the season of restoration, recovery, redemption, and reconciliation. It's all coming back. Go, go to a few more verses with me. If you will, go to Mark chapter 10. We'll look at two more verses, I believe. Mark chapter 10. Is this all right tonight? Shout amen if I can have five more minutes. Now look, if you lost your joy, it's coming back. If you lost uh, passion, it's coming back. If you've lost health, it's coming back. And, and I would ask that y'all would pray for, uh, uh, for my mother uh, while you're in your prayer uh, season. She's come up from Florida, Virginia, and she's got to have some procedures at VCU be in the hospital for the next three weeks. But I know that no matter what the doctors are saying, and she hadn't told us everything, I know that that health is recovered and restored and redeemed in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? So don't give in. Never allow your trial or your tribulation to change your theology. God is good no matter what hell you go through. God is a healer no matter how many days the doctor said you're sick. Your tribulation doesn't change the word of God. The word of God changes your tribulation. Can somebody say amen? Mm. The anointing you feel like you lost, it's coming back. You used to serve and you've stepped down. You're going to serve again. You used to be in line with division and now you gossip about division. The spirit of gossip is going to leave you and you're going to line up. It's coming back. It's kind. You're not too far gone. Guess what? You get grace too. If I get grace, then you get grace. We all want grace for us, but then we want those that do us wrong to be judged. The person that did you wrong gets grace too. So guess what? Even if you've done somebody wrong, God can get you back. Not pay you back, get you back. See, God don't pay you back. He gets you back. So I want to tell you Sunday morning, bring your pillowcase. If somebody texts everybody or call the people that don't text, tell them, bring a pillowcase. People that weren't here be like, what in the world is going on in this place? Then somebody tell them, we're getting it all back, filling our bags back up to the brim. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to get it all back. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Somebody needs to hear this. Now, I've dabbled in this the last week and a half at home, but I have not preached it like this. Lisa can attest. This word is for you. I think in actuality, the meddling around at home was preparing me for this night here. The baseball player doesn't go to a game without practice. A golfer doesn't go to the main round without a, a, a practice rounds. And I think God was getting this in my soul to release prophetically into this church. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, Lord, see, we've left everything and followed you. Have you ever felt like God? I don't know if it's worth it or not. This is what I've done. Anybody ever listed all your garbage to God like he doesn't know? Well, God, I've served you 25 years, and I'm the king of this. Man, God knows my biography. Because I'm sure whenever I'm going to give you my life, when I was 12 years old, I stood in the field in Augusta County, and I said, Lord, you can have my life. When I was seven, when I was 12 at the Tulsa camp meeting and Kenneth Hagin was preaching, I said, Lord, you can have my life. And Willie George laid hands on me and I baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then on February 11th in 1987, up by the barn in my farm where my dad was living, I told the Lord, you can have my whole life. I'll preach the gospel. And if I don't preach the gospel, you can take my life. And I've rehearsed that, God, I've given you everything. Lord, I've said, and boo-hoo and boo-hoo. And here Peter is, Lord, we've given up everything. Everything and look, we're miserable. Anybody ever been there? And sometimes it, you know, most preachers don't tell you this, but at the moment you're saying it, it's true to you. Lord, I, I could have done anything. I didn't have to deal with all this mess. Huh? You just be God. I mean, you might as well be real with God. He knows what you're saying before you say it. And he knows when you're halfway saying it. And he knows what's really in the back of your mind that you haven't said. So just go ahead and be real with it. He can handle it. And Peter said, see, Lord, we've given up. And see, when he says opens with see, you know when you're in an argument and you want to get the point, you pick your word and poof. He was talking, see, we've given up everything. He didn't just say, he says, see, we gave up everything for you, and now look at us. And then look what Jesus says. He doesn't pay them back. He gets them back. Surely I say to you, there is not one of you that has left your house, your brothers or your sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Well, I'm going to get blessed in heaven. I'm going to get blessed in the sweet by and by. And yes, you are. Yes, you are. But Jesus himself said that everything you forsake here on this earth, I'm going to give it back to you here on this earth a hundredfold. He said, if you gave it up, I'll restore it. Not 30, not 60, but a hundredfold. If you gave up a house, I'm going to give you a house back. If you gave up a friend, I'm going to give you 99 friends back. He said, said, not when you get in heaven, but whatever you give up in this natural world, I'm going to restore it a hundredfold, he said, in the here and now. That's a little modern lingo for the King James, in the here and now. So don't just say, oh, Lord, when I get to heaven, it'll all be over. You can have some joy here. You can have some passion here. You can have some power here. 
You can get it all back here and now. Quit rehearsing what you lost like Peter did. Jesus said whatever you lost is insignificant to everything you're going to gain. Woo! That's a lot. How many of you lost a lot? You're going to gain back a hundredfold more than you lost. If a thief be found, he's got to repay sevenfold. You had a little joy, you about to be crazy. You had a you think I had passion before? Oh my God, the devil, God Himself, my friends, my they ain't nobody seen the passion that's getting ready to erupt out of me because everything the devil stole and everything the enemy tried to gnaw off of me. Guess what, God? So I'm gonna give it back to you here, and I'm gonna give it back to you now, and I'm gonna press it down, shake it together, hundredfold it, and where you used to be one energizer bunny, you're gonna be like a whole field of energizer bunny. Where you used to be a little passion. You really gonna be passionate. Because look, God's in the business of restoration, reconciliation, redemption, and recovery. He's not in the judgment condemning business. He's in the recovery business. Can somebody say amen? Last scripture, and we're gonna pray for some folk. John chapter 3, Billy Graham scripture. Oh, hallelujah. And it is beautiful having my wife. We celebrated 25 years together last week. Amen. Would you give Lisa a hand for that? We went on down to Gatlinburg and just spent three days just in the mountains and having a good time. And 25 years. Our daughter's getting married next year. Our son's looking for a house. Our other daughter's graduating high school. It just, where's the time gone? But you know what? The latter days will be greater than the former days. Oh, you got to have faith. Oh, you got to be positive. Oh, life can be hard. But you can always find something worth looking at. Can you say amen? John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And we will close. Would you go ahead and stand on your feet if you would? Just to remind me that I said we're closing. man oh man oh man how many feel this word was strategic for your life or for your church's life will you raise your hand for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it but that the world through him might be saved, reconciled, redeemed, and recovered. See, we want to throw sinners out. God wants to bring sinners in. We want to persecute the fallen, and God wants to restore the fallen. Human nature is to punish. God's nature is to forgive. God wants to restore, redeem, and recover. He said, I've not sent Jesus to condemn this world. I sent Jesus to recover this world. See, God's not here to pay you back. He's here to get you back. Mm. To restore you unto his own. I don't know. You might be a bunch of misfits like I've become. You might have been through a season of loss. You might be in the middle of it. I can really identify with that hurt and that pain. I used to couldn't be hard and judgmental. 
I'll be honest, man, I was a judgmental son of a gun. Just be mean to people that deserve grace. Anybody ever been that way? See them out and you want to judge them? You won't judge one person into God's kingdom, but you will love every person into God's kingdom. Amen.